And then after some time, you know, after taking a, a, a trip towards uh, the Red Sea, they turned around and they realized in bondage and slavery for a long time, the very Pharaoh who made their life miserable, the very same Pharaoh was following them behind again. And we can understand, you know, this is, this is the power of evil, the power of Satan, who is trying to push people, you know, the people under his control to make our life difficult. So don't be surprised when sometimes your life is difficult. Okay? We are still in this world and there are still a lot of obstacles that we have to overcome and we must understand uh, that we have not yet reached our destiny. So we are still in the battle. We are still uh, on a journey. And so when the people of Israel, you know, looked up and they saw the, the Egyptians, they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. When have you been terrified last? Today? Yesterday? Day before yesterday? Or maybe you have never been terrified in your life? Okay, that would be nice. But I don't know many people who have never been terrified. In fact, I can't remember anyone, not even myself. In fact, uh, sometimes I do get terrified quite a bit. Okay? Because the situations that are around us are tough. Okay? So the people of Israel who were just enjoying their freedom, they saw Pharaoh approaching and they were terrified because they saw themselves back in slavery again. But praise God, they cried out to the Lord. And that's always a good thing to do, you know, cry out to the Lord. Unfortunately, they were not only crying out to the Lord, they were also uh, speaking to their leader, Moses. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done? What have, have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Okay, so they cried to the Lord, but then they started complaining. And that's what we too often do, okay? We are terrified. We turn to the Lord, but then we turn to each other and we think, why? This is your fault. Why do, did you do this? Okay? Have you noticed? This is very often how we are, how we are reacting to tough situations in our lives. But praise God, that's not the end of the story. So they said to Moses, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? I think they had a very short memory because these were the same people who were crying out to God to be delivered from slavery and bondage. And now they are saying to, to Moses, didn't we tell you leave us alone so that we serve the Egyptians, which they were tired of doing. Okay, so sometimes we are inconsistent in the way we respond. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So in, in fact, they saw the negative already. Can, can you see that? Very often that's what we do. You know, we're in a tough situation and all we see is the worst outcome possible. Lord, today I want you to change your mind. Today I want you to see the best outcome possible. Today I want to, uh, to, to, to tell you that 
There is nothing impossible with God. Even so, things are, you know, uh, impossible with us, but with God, there is nothing impossible. So, uh, you can see this, this uh, uh, conversation is split, you know, it's like schizophrenic. You know, at one time you say, God, you know, help us. Then you tell your, your, your leader, Moses, why did you do this? You make us to die here. And God never intended them to die there, okay? God never intended anyone to die in the wilderness. Actually, he had told them there is a promised land waiting for you. But this is the negativism that we often fall into when we are in trouble. Moses answered the people. Now listen carefully. Moses answered the people. And I'm glad, you know, he had a connection, okay? He knew where his power came from. He knew what the Lord had told him to do. And so uh, Moses told them, do not be afraid. Amen. And I want to tell you today, be not, do not be afraid. No matter what seems to overwhelm you, do not be afraid. Because God is greater than your fear. God is greater than your enemies. God is greater than all the challenges that you are facing around you. God is in control. In control. And Moses said, stand firm. Stand firm. Okay? It is important for us to learn that lesson, to stand firm. Not to waver on one direction and another direction like the Israelites did, you know. I mean, they were terrified. They cried out to the Lord. But then they were beginning to accuse the leadership. And Moses said, stand firm, okay? People who have faith can be able to stand firm. It's not that they may not have, you know, that, that inkling of fear inside of their heart. We, we are human beings. This is normal. But it's important that we learn to stand firm in our faith in God. And that's what, what uh, uh, Moses is telling them. Stand firm, and then when you stand firm, you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. Today, okay? So in other words, not, not uh, in five years' time, not in three years' time, not next week, but today. And, and you know, when God steps in, his grace abounds. Amen. So Moses was very, very confident because he, he had a, a, a direct line to the Lord. Praise God. A direct connection with God. And from God he heard that he should not worry, but that he should keep trust and look up to him. And Moses said to them, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. You know, those enemies who have been keeping you, maybe some of them from their, from their childhood. These enemies that are out and about to come and capture you again, actually, God says, you will never see them again. Why? Because God was about to deal with them once and for all. Okay? And, and I want to tell you, you know, what you think, it can never be done. It is impossible. After all, you know, uh, you can forgive them to enslave them and to keep them in, 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 a, in a tight corner for all, all their lives. So, of course, they knew 
that if they would fall in the hands of Pharaoh again, their lives would, nothing, would not be any good at all, especially after they had been you know, released and, and, and then recaptured again, if that would ever happen. But thank God, it didn't happen, it cannot happen, and we need to be encouraged that the Lord is in control of our lives. Now verse 14, Exodus 14 verse 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Okay, the Lord will fight for you. Only need to be still. Okay, yesterday I was writing a letter, be still and wait for the Lord. Okay, if you have not gotten it, tell me, I can send it to you. Okay, it's a very important lesson. You know, sometimes, you know, there's nothing we can do except to trust God to be still and know that he is God. Wait upon the Lord and see his mighty hand of deliverance. And so these people, the people of Israel, you know, these were not a few people. These were, this was a big crowd. People think there were more than two million people, you know, with men, women, and children. More than two million people. In control of two million people because that's where they came from. Then the Lord said to Moses, and it's always important that we hear the voice of the Lord, okay? God spoke to Moses. I'm not sure whether everybody else heard it, but God spoke to Moses. And I want you to understand God is not silent, okay? God has not fallen dumb. He has not decided to no longer speak to us. God is speaking continuously. And thank God he's still speaking today to you, to me, and to all of us. And so the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying to me? And of course, that was a message not to Moses necessarily, but to the people who were, who were crying, okay? Who were looking at themselves to die in the desert, okay? Or go back to Egypt once again into, into bondage. And God said, why are you crying to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Now, when God says move on and in front of you there is a Red Sea, what are you going to do? Okay, how are you going to move? Okay, if necessary, put your, put your foot into the water. Okay, put your foot into the water. And God is going to do what only he can do. You know, nothing is impossible for God as we have been reading. So, you know, uh, God is saying, tell the people of Israel to move on and raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through on dry ground. Wow. Okay? You can imagine and you can forgive the Israelites. They never expected that. Okay? This was not something they could imagine, not in their in their wildest dreams, you know, how would, how would they get out of the situation? In front of them, there was water. Not a small little river, but a mighty sea. And on, on the other side behind, you know, there was the army of, of, of Pharaoh. And they were squeezed in. They were hemmed in. And... To them, you know, there was, there was no way out. 
in those days, they didn't have helicopters. Okay, where you looked up and said, maybe a helicopter is taking us out. And anyway, even if there were helicopters, how could the helicopter come and take two million people out? That would not be possible at all, isn't it? But then God has a plan. And so God said to the people of Israel through Moses, tell them to move on. And as they were moving, the waters divided. Praise the Lord. The waters divided. And you know, the Red Sea, okay, there's a bit of controversy where the Red Sea was, uh, that we are talking about. But in, the Red Sea was so big that all the army of, of Egypt could actually drown in that, in that Red Sea. Okay, so there was a distance from one shore to the other shore. And the Bible tells us that as God divided the waters, they were moving through that, those waters on dry ground. Let me read a few more verses from the book of uh, Exodus uh, 14 and verse 25. Or let me read from the verse 23. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. Now, I want you to tell, to, to, to make, get one thing clear. You know, when God is doing a miracle for you, it's your miracle. It's not somebody's miracle. It's not the devil's miracle, okay? It's not your enemy's miracle. It's your miracle, okay? <clears throat> and so the, Israel, the Israelites did what they were asked to do. They moved on, put their feet into the water, and the water disappeared, and they had a road made on the ground, okay? That's, a, that's amazing in itself because if you look at some of the videos that we see today uh, on National Geographic or so, you see that the ground of the oceans, they're usually very rugged, okay? But God had made sure the grounds. So the miracle that was happening there was beyond our imagination, okay? Have you ever heard water standing straight, okay? Without, without any barrier, without any wall. We know how powerful water can be, and we have seen in our world some some uh, dams are collapsing because the, the, the power of the water was so strong. But these waters were standing all by themselves, by the power of God. Amen? And that is totally amazing. So, Scripture says, the Egyptians thought what the, what the Israelites can do, we can also do. They followed them into the, into the Red Sea. That was a major mistake, you know? Just because somebody got a miracle, don't think you can do the same thing. Okay, there's a lot of copycats today who are trying to copy all kinds of different things, and if there's a miracle happening some, somewhere, they also want to do the same thing. But somebody's miracle is not your miracle. And uh, especially for the enemies of God, I want to say, you know, they better, better uh, stay afar, you know, because if they follow into the miracle of God that God is doing for some of his people, they will, be, they will be wiped out. So the Bible says, during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw them into confusion. All it needs for God to do is just have a look. Okay? He doesn't even need to fight. God just looks down 
and the guys are confused. Okay? Praise the Lord. So, when you see the power of Satan, you know, trying to pounce on you, just know all it takes is for the Lord, the Lord to look down, and they will be confused. That's a powerful thought. But not only did they get into confusion, the Bible says in verse 25, he jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. So the Red Sea Road was paced for the people of Israel, but not for the Egyptians. Okay? The wheels jumped. Okay, they couldn't, they couldn't turn anymore. And there was confusion. There was no more order uh, in, the, in, the, in the camp. And the Egyptians said, let us get away from the Israelites. Some people got sense now. I think we are in trouble. We put ourselves into a position that is not healthy. Okay? Let us get away from the people of Israel. I mean, we should never have followed them behind because this is dangerous. Okay? Except it was too late. Okay? The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. What a realization. You know? And I, I pray that whatever enemy you have, whatever obstacles you have, let your enemy realize that the Lord is fighting against them. Not you, but the Lord. Amen? We are not doing things in our own muscle power, in our own strength, but it's the Lord who is doing it. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. Okay, by that time, all the People of Israel had uh, crossed over. They were safe on the other side of the shore. And they were looking at the, the Egyptians following them behind. And God said, lift your arm again, okay? Stretch your hand over the waters of the sea, and the waters may flow back. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place, okay? Where the sea is going where it's supposed to be, okay? The Egyptians were fleeing towards it. And the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen and the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with all water, with all of the water of their right, on their right on their, and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw, saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord and put their trust in him, in him and in Moses, his servant. What a mighty miracle. This is not something that you can explain with human understanding, with human reason. This is a miracle that only God can do. And you know, God has not changed. He's still the God who makes the impossible possible. Whatever is impossible with man, it is possible with God. We read of another man, a very devout man, Daniel. And this is now an individual. You know, here we see a nation, but this Daniel is an individual. And he was, he was a faithful man. He was an upright man. He, he was dedicated with everything that he did. He, he was 
in captivity. He was in Israel, but he was in captivity in Babylon. But even then, he served to his very best of his abilities. And the king loved him. Okay? The king was fond of him. But then there were enemies who didn't like this man. And you know, this will always happen. When you are in a position in which God put you in, you will have enemies. And you better understand that you don't have to fear your enemies. Okay, hello, are you with me? Don't fear your enemies because you should put your trust in God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So fear God, not your enemies. And so what happened? These enemies were looking for a fault in the life of Daniel. And that man, Daniel, was beyond any reproach. These are the kind of people that we need today. Okay, these are the people that we need in positions of power. Okay, people who are beyond reproach. Now, because they couldn't find any mistake in the life of, uh, of Daniel, they were, they were making up a very devilish plan. Okay, such a time, Daniel is opening and he prayed regularly. And everybody knew, you know, at such and such a time, Daniel is opening his windows and he's going to pray. You know, he's turning his face towards Jerusalem and he's going to pray. Okay? Three times a day. Happened every day. And so they came up with a plan and unfortunately they were able to convince the king. Of course, the king didn't know uh, what was behind this. But they convinced the king that he is the only one who should receive prayer and worship. No, ever, no, no other gods. Only the king. And of course, they made a law. And the saying says, you know, the law of the mission, Medes and Persians cannot be changed. It was sealed, and the king himself sealed it. And even the king now was trapped. You know, the Bible tells us that the king was worried. When he realized what this whole thing was all about, that it was just a, a law in order to get rid of somebody he trusted. Let me just read from Daniel chapter 6, verse 19. You know, the, 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 the situation could not be changed because there was this law, and finally Daniel was thrown in the lion's dens, okay? Would you want to live in a lion's den? You know, wild lions, I'm sure we all know what the lion can do. I don't need to go into details. So they threw Daniel into the lion's den. The, the king tried to save him as much as possible, and he was worried throughout the night. He couldn't sleep. And early the next morning, he decided he needed to go and see whether God could protect Daniel from the lions. And the Bible says very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue from the lions? Good question, isn't it? Good question. I thank God there's somebody asking that question. And the question, of course, or the answer, of course, hear it. Very powerful. Daniel answered, okay? When there's an answer coming from the lion's den, then you know God is in control. Amen? When there's an answer coming, long live the king, then you know 
God was stronger than the lions. God shut the mouth of the lions. And so Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. When God steps in, the lion's mouth is shut. Amen? When God steps in, his grace abounds. Hallelujah. This is powerful. And so I want you to understand, you know, uh, that the enemies that are troubling you, God will take care of them. You don't even have to fight them. Remember what happened to the Egyptians. They went into the very open sea. And when they went in, that was the end. The very people who were pursuing Daniel and trying to kill him were all thrown into the lion's den. And you know, when, when, when Daniel was in the lion's den, the, the, Daniel said, God sent an angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. But when they were thrown in, they had a feast. I'm sure God told them, wait, don't, don't eat this uh, Daniel. He's just only one small uh, human being, but uh, much more is coming. Okay, much more is coming. And when the enemies were thrown in, you know, the, eventually the, the king was so enraged that he, he condemned all of them into the lion's den and not one of them was spared. So let's understand that God is in control. Sometimes you may be forgiven if you cannot see a way out. When you don't see how it should happen, they're not alone. And that is what is most important. Let me remind you, and I don't have much time, I just want to remind you about the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. And the Bible tells us that she was, you know, trying everything possible. And probably she was a wealthy lady. She spent all her money on doctors. And it didn't get any better. It got worse. And one day, she heard of Jesus. Mark chapter 5, verse 27. The Bible says here, she had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him and threw the crowd and touched his rope. You know, I'm sure we all have heard about Jesus. Not just once, not just twice, but we have heard so much. You know, we are so blessed because we can be exposed to the word of God continuously. We hear about Jesus. <clears throat> but the danger is that we're hearing without practicing, without doing. And the Bible tells us that we should not be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Okay? Now, we can take examples from, an example from this lady. This lady, she was desperate enough not to say, okay, maybe this is another opportunity at one time or the other. No, she had tried everything and nothing worked. And uh, when she heard about Jesus, she got off, off her sick bed. She got off her current time because she, you know, somebody who is uh, bleeding cannot be in the public according to uh, the law of Israel. 
So she was in a quarantine. But she came out of her quarantine and she squeezed herself through the crowd. You know, can imagine there were a lot of uh, uh, people who wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. Not for this, she was able to reach out, you know. And eventually she managed to get through the crowd and she was able to reach out the hem of the garment of Jesus. She touched his robe and instantly, instantly, she got healed. Okay? And Jesus turned around and he asked the question, who touched me? And the people said, what? What are you asking about? You know, even the disciples said, but everybody is touching you. You know, they're pushing you here and there because the crowd was so, so compact that everybody was just being pushed around, including Jesus. And Jesus was not talking about somebody who is pushing him inadvertently. Jesus was talking about the one who had reached out by faith. And you know, these are the people that will see transformation happen. This woman had heard about Jesus. We don't know how much she knew about Jesus, but apparently what she had heard about Jesus was enough for her to come to put her face in Christ. And she touched him and she got healed instantly. You know, let, us be, let this be an encouragement to us. I know many of us who have been sick and we, we haven't seen that instant healing that this woman has gotten. But we should not give up. We should trust the Lord. We should keep our eyes on the Lord. We should confess our faith. And Jesus said, who touched me? Because he, he knew as well as the woman knew that she was healed, Jesus also knew that somebody got healed. And he turned around and says, who touched me? And everybody was completely flabbergasted. And they said, why are you talking like this? You know, that's all, of, all of these people who are near, close by you, they have, they have been touching you. But eventually he saw this woman kneeling before him and telling him what happened. All the other people didn't know what was going on except two. The woman with faith and Christ himself. And brothers and sisters, we need to learn to reach out by faith to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God has done so many wonderful things in our lives. This woman, she was probably walking in the footsteps of Abraham, you know. I'm sure she knew about Abraham. I'm sure she knew about the face of Abraham. After all, she was an Israelite. Okay, and she was walking in the footsteps of Abraham, reaching out by faith. And Jesus turns around and he says, when the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Praise the Lord. Your faith has made you well. The impossible became possible. All the doctors that she had seen before were just consuming all her money until nothing was left. And she only got worse. But then she reached out to Jesus. And she got well. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. The impossible 
becomes possible. Why do I tell you all of this? First of all, I tell you because it's in the scriptures. Secondly, I tell you because I want to remind myself with all my problems that I'm facing currently, that when God steps in, his grace abounds. You know, you think Pastor Reuter has no problem because every time he stands here and he preaches, you know, so it's, it's okay. I wish you knew. And if you, if you can remember me in prayer this week, please do that. Because there are many, many things that we are struggling with at this moment in time. But I want to remind myself and I want to remind you, okay, that God is a faithful God. That we can trust him. Even if you have not yet seen what you want to see, but you can trust him. Don't say we are going to die. No, you're not going to die. You're going to do see the deliverance of the Lord. You're going to reach the other side of the, of the Jordan, of the Red Sea. Uh, and, and you look back and you, all you see is dead Egyptians on the seashore. The very Egyptians that we, are, that we are so afraid of. So God is in control. Let me give you the story of two women. Two women who were very, very important in our history. Okay? One was Sarah. The story of Sarah, I think we, we know. Genesis chapter 18, verse 9. The Bible says, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitor asked. You know, there were three visitors coming to the tent of Abraham. And one of them was the Lord. When I say the Lord, I mean the Christ. Okay? The Christ, because the Christ is eternal. He was not... You know, don't think that the Christ was only born when Jesus was born. Who was born was Jesus coming into the flesh. But the Christ came from heaven, from the Father, and lived in this person, Jesus. And so this uh, visitor of Abraham told Abraham, or asked him, where, where is your wife Sarah? And she, he, said, she's, he said, she's inside the tent. And Abraham replied, or Abraham replied. Then one of them said, and this is the Christ, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now, understand, by that time Sarah was 89 years old. 89. Have you seen any woman giving birth at 89? Okay. Have you seen that? Is it possible? Humanly, not possible. Okay? But the Lord said, okay, this year, next year, you know, when the time had fully come, I will come back and there will be a son in the tent. And of course, Sarah heard it and she laughed silently. It was not a loud laughter. It was a silent laughter. He says, hmm, can I have such a pleasure at my age? Can you blame her? You can't blame her because... You know, this is, this is humanly impossible. But then, what is humanly impossible is possible for God. Okay? And so what we are reading here, this time, Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, 
How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Actually, he was about 10 years older. Okay? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Now there's a question that the Lord asks. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Ask yourself. And if you are not sure, then you better study scripture. Okay, because there's nothing too hard for the Lord. If God gives a promise, he is making sure that he keeps that promise. Praise the Lord. Nothing is impossible for God. And he says, I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Praise God. And it came to pass. Sarah became a mother when she was 90 years old. She was barren from her, from her young age. She could not, not have a child. But when she was 90 years old, that barrenness was broken. And she became a mother. And let me make this clear. If God would not have intervened in this way, there would have never been the nation of Israel. nation that God loved and that God wanted to utilize and use. Okay, because Abraham was given promises. Through you, I will, you know, through your offspring, I will, I will bless the whole world. But if there was no Isaac, there wouldn't have been that blessing. Now, fast forward to uh, the New Testament time. In fact, it was still the Old Testament time. But at the, on, the, 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 the sunrise of the New Testament. And we read in the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. Now, you know this was Mary. And Mary was a virgin. And a virgin cannot have children. Am I right? It's impossible. You can't have a child when you are not having relation between husband and, and wife. Okay? And, and you know, what we must understand is that Mary was a virgin. Okay? Okay, just keep, uh, keep your focus on, on me. Okay? We, there are some people who will take care of this issue. God is good. Amen. So keep your eyes upon the Lord. So Mary is puzzled when she hears that the angel says to him that you will have a child, you will have a son. He said, how can that be? You know, I'm a virgin. I've never had a relation with a man. So how will that happen? Again, impossible. Can you see? I mean, there was impossible, impossibility in the life of Sarah. There is again impossibility in the life of Mary. And then we learn that God is the one who has inspired this word. Okay? And this is powerful. God says through the angel 
the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay? And if the Son of God was not going to be born, we would not be here today. Okay? There would never have been a body of Christ. There would never have been a church. Isn't it? So, the impossibilities had to be to have a son as a virgin had to become possible for there to be the son of God who was going to build up his church. Amazing. When God steps in, his grace abounds. Amen? And let God step into your life. Okay, so there are certain situations, and I want just to contrast these things. You know, sometimes we are, you know, exposed to the onslaught of the enemy. And God steps in. Okay, we see this in the nations uh, of Israel's uh, uh, rescue from, from the Egyptians. Or we see this in the individual life of Daniel. But sometimes God steps in because the time has come for a certain season to take its place. Okay? When the time had fully come, God sent his son. Amen? That's very important. Okay? Or oh, we see this woman who had faith and God honored that faith. Let me tell you, we need to be people, not just to nod our heads and say, yes, I believe this is true, but we need to be people of faith that, that propel us into the very presence of our God, into the very presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we touch him with that faith, and God will step in. God will do things that were, you know, deemed to be impossible in just a moment's time. So what we must see is that God is sufficient for us when he moves in his grace. Paul, whom we have looked at during this year, from the beginning of this year, because we have our theme this year, which says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And what we must understand, but God released grace was an impossible situation, but God released grace, and that grace was enough to change that impossible situation. Impossible situations in your life and in my life become possible because God never leaves us alone in this world. And often God comes with a very sudden change. Sometimes things happen gradually, but sometimes they happen instantly. God releases energy. And when the energy of God is released through God's grace, you know, wonderful things are going to happen. Let me try to give you a few, uh, a few lines from my own life. Okay? And I want to just underline the fact that God will not abandon his promise to his people. Not to me, not to you. Okay? Please, believe that. <clears throat> I was 17 years old when I got saved. Okay? 
And uh, I was not get, getting saved because I was a good boy. Actually, I was very confused. I, I really was looking for answers in my life, but I couldn't find them. But then, you know, uh, it was 16 when I first heard the gospel and I was considering it. But then, you know, I had a lot of ideas that I wanted to accomplish in my life. And I felt, you know, uh, to, to follow Christ may have been hindering me from accomplishing what I wanted to do with my life. Little did I understand that the desires of our hearts are programmed into our hearts by God himself. So what you actually desire, what your heart desires, really, I'm not talking about what, your, what the lust desires, that's a different story, but what God has programmed in your heart, deep down in your inner being, is in line with God's guidance in your life. Okay? Very much in line. And we need to recognize that. So you should never be afraid that maybe God uh, will ask me to do something which, which I don't want to do. You know, that is now where the, 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 the battle with Satan comes in because it, the Satan always has counter offers. But we should not listen to the voice of evil. We should listen to the voice of God. And so it took me a while, and I was turning 17, or I had turned 17, when finally I realized God calling me personally. <clears throat> and I got saved. And I got on fire. Okay? I, 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 I really, uh, <clears throat> you know, put even the little church where I was upside down. Okay? And everybody realized something has happened with this young, young man. And thank God, God was on my side. I was no longer walking alone. I was no longer confused. I now had a clear destiny ahead of me. But then, you know, just like Daniel, just like the people of Israel, I also had enemies, okay? And I will not tell you about all of the things that I've gone through, but at the age of 18, I think it was 18 and a half or something like that, I was still a new driver. He's still a very new learner driver. I was <clears throat> driving on a road, not very fast. And uh, in our area, not very far from my home, there was, uh, there was a, a very dangerous spot. You know, in, in, in English, you call them black spot. Okay? In our language, we called it the drunk's corner. You know why? Because all the drunk people were going off the road at that, at that place because the, the, the corner was so sharp that they were, you know, the car was going to the other side. Some of them left the road instantly and some of them co collided with others that came on the other side of the road. Okay, so I drove down that road and I see that car very close to me coming on my side of the road at a very high speed. Okay, he came around that corner. He couldn't navigate the corner properly, so he came to my side. And I realized, you know, because the forces of, of physics pushed the car outside, okay? So he could not, you know, possibly come back to his side of the room. I had my window open. You know, we are left and drive, so I was hearing there from there. But I closed my eyes. I said, Jesus, help me. Okay? The next moment... You know, I thought it would crush, but it didn't crush. And I slowed down. I almost came to a standstill. But the next moment, I, I heard a sound, shoo! And the car was passing me, not even scratching my car. 
that moment or that, that moment I knew this would have been the end of me. This, this car was so fast. When I turned around and was looking at that car, it had already disappeared in the distance. You know, the force of that front, you know, of that collusion would have been enough to, to, to kill me. And maybe the other person as well. But I was not alone. Praise the Lord. I was not alone. And I want to tell you, you are not alone. Okay? What is impossible with man is possible with God. Amen? Fast forward. I was 21. We took one of our friends to Spain who was doing some, uh, some uh, volunteer work there in the church. At that time, I was at college. And as we were traveling back, uh, we got involved in an accident. My friend was driving. And uh, when we were driving, a car came. You know, it was a four-lane road. And there was a little road on the side, on the right. Again, that was left-hand drive traffic. So I saw a car from the corner of my eye on a high speed, just rushing to where I was seated. And yes, it hit. It hit badly. Okay, it hit so bad that the car was propelled, you know, from the left-hand side of the, of the, of the fallen road to the other side of the road, you know, crossing the next lane and the next lane and now coming to the last lane and turning around, standing in the opposite direction. Now, all this, I didn't see it. I didn't, uh, because I got unconscious immediately. I got hit. You know, the impact broke some of my bones. My lungs were pierced. And uh, I only remembered, or I, only, I only came shortly to, to uh, consciousness when they pulled me out of the car. And then they pulled me out of the car. They put me on the side of the road. And it was very hot that day on me. And my on me. And the next thing that happened is well, they put a blanket on me. And my thought was, this is the end of me. Okay? And I wonder, is this the way it is when you die? Okay? I mean, you know, this, you can't reason in such moments. You don't know really what is happening. But this is, this is, this is the very thing that happened. And then, you know, I was going into unconsciousness again. I didn't know what happened. Later on, I heard that when the, <clears throat> when the car came to a standstill, a very heavy truck was about to hit the car, which was now stationary. And if that car would have hit, you know, it would have rolled me over and probably nothing would have been left of me. Another car hit, actually, uh, but the truck was able to pass by. So the the, the car became a wreck, but the truck was not hitting. Again, why did this happen? Because I was not alone. Okay? This was an impossible situation, but God was there. And I want to encourage you with that. I'm, I'm not saying this, you know, because I, I want to show off. I, I say this because I want to encourage myself. And this is what David did when he encouraged himself. He, he realized and he remembered all the good things that God had done for him before. And I want to encourage you, you know, because what God is doing for me, he's doing for you too. Maybe he has done many more things than 
you actually realize, because you never realize that God intervened in situations. Some, some of them you may realize. And the situations that I tell you are situations that I, I know, that I understand, that I can reason with. Other situations I may not even know. I will only come to find out in the presence of the Lord. So, finally, but I couldn't breathe because my lungs had been pierced by the pneumothorax, okay? So I was unable to breathe. And, you know, I went back again. But you see, when I was lying on the side of the road and they put the blanket on, on me and I thought this was it, as far as I was concerned, you know, I heard the voice of God clearly, clearly, powerfully speaking to me. And God said, do not be afraid. I still have a plan for your life. That's why I'm here today. Because God has a plan for my life. I would never have known you. I don't think there would be a ghost center here. I don't think there would be a Christian Ministries or Christian University here. But God preserved my life. And God said, I have a plan for your life. I went back to unconsciousness. Finally, I found myself seated in a in a chair, and I see a doctor coming with a, a big stick, cutting my, 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 my chest, not knowing what is going on. I'm not a medicine-inclined uh, person, so I, I just saw this uh, lady doctor coming and, uh, you know, taking the, 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 the big stick into my, in my chest. But praise God, all of a sudden, <gasps> I could praise again. God preserved my life. Amen. So God saved me when I was 21. When I was 30, okay, there was another very interesting experience, a terrible experience, actually. We got attacked in our house in Lusaka West. By that time, we were already in Zambia. We got attacked, and, uh, you know, uh, I had to take care of my wife and my children. They were inside and they were hiding in the corridor because they were throwing stones all over and they were breaking the, the bars. And they had managed to break the bars at the door. There was a, a small, a small um, um, entrance uh, porch and they had broken the bars and had come in there and then they broke the, 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 the door to our house. And I was standing on the other side of the door and I said, God, help me. What can I do? Okay. And as that, that bar came through the door and made one hole after the other around the, around the lock, and I knew any moment this lock, this door is giving up. And so I got hold of that bar, and I pulled that bar with my, all of my strength. That's when I had a weapon. <laughs> okay, because I didn't have a weapon. I, I, I don't believe in weapons, you know. I, I, I'm somebody who has seen God's hand in many different ways. But at that time, God provided me with a weapon. Okay? So I quickly opened the door, took that bar, and the thief, you know, the one who was making those holes, realized now he was in a weaker position and just quickly squeezed himself through that hole that he had made in the, in the, burglar, in the burglar bus. And there I was standing. And because now I was, you know, outside, and there were only, you know, uh, bars around me, they were beginning to stone me. 
I don't, I, I don't wish you to be stoned. It was a terrible thing, you know. And I came to the end of my physical strength, and I was crying to God, God, come to my rescue. I, I, I didn't know what to do next. But I just shouted, you know, Lord, come through. And my children would tell that story for years to come, you know, because they saw how God stepped in. I couldn't do any more things. You know, they were about to, to succeed with what they were doing. I was all about to go down. They had broken the lights. I couldn't see enemy, anything anymore. But they had torches and they saw me and they knew where to throw the stones to. I could not see them. But as I was going down, I heard a loud bang that God had sent, not an angel, but a neighbor. Okay, sometimes even a neighbor is a sent one, isn't it? An angel means a sent one. And so there came a neighbor. Okay, interestingly, my neighbor, the one who was just living next to us, was a blind man. And he heard the, the noise, the commotion that was going on. And so he, he was rushing at night. You know, this was at night. He was rushing to his brother who was living maybe 300 meters uh, away from his house. And he told him, you must come. There is something bad going on there. And so his, uh, his brother was, you know, uh, in many public uh, roles. So he always moved with a gun. And as he came, you know, he, he saw... Around the corner, he saw some guys surrounding the house, so he took his, his uh, gun. It was a shotgun. And he just, boom, uh, aimed at one of the guys. And you know, the, the pellets were going all over, so some people got, got hit. And we saw later on when we came out, blood all over. I didn't know what was happening, but God sent his angel, okay? And I was protected. And my family was protected. I mean, if anybody says I'm a white man, you should have seen me then. I had all the colors you can imagine. Blue, green, black, you know. White was not much left. <laughs> I mean, it was impossible. And that was just, I think, a day or two before Easter. It was a terrible situation. But God saved me. Okay? I was not alone. Okay, sometimes you go through these things and you say, God, where are you? But he will come through. Sometimes you think he's too late. Like Mary and Martha, when Lazarus was about to die, they thought, he must come now. And he came late. And they said, if you were here, this would not have happened. But I'm here to tell you a testimony. I tell you, we're not alone. God is on our side. He will carry us through. I tell you to encourage you. Whatever your situation may be, trust him. I tell us to encourage myself. Okay? Because if I remember all of these things, I know that even that which is ahead of me, he is in control. Amen? I was 42. And I had a growth in my body. I went to the doctor and they couldn't tell me. They said, let me cut it. I went to one of the hospitals and said, we are going to cut it out. And I said, if you have cut it out, would you know 
what the what the 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 reason for that growth would have been, they said, no, we don't know. We have nothing to test it. Then they said, then leave it there. So I lived with this growth for, I think, almost a year. And uh, because we didn't have the money to go and uh, have it uh, done somewhere else. So eventually, when we went to Germany, I told my brother-in-law to organize me an appointment at a hospital. And we took six weeks. Because we thought in case this takes a bit longer, you know, then it will be okay. By that time, we were already here. The church was here. And so when I arrived there, the very next day, I went into the hospital. They took all the tests, and they gave me bad news. You know, everybody I was talking to were telling me, you know, this is dangerous. One lady who was doing the x-rays and 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 and. and doing some results, she was crying. She said, my brother just died on the same condition. Now, how would you feel? I went to, I was sent to another doctor. And uh, when I was, you know, he asked me a lot of questions and so on. And he says, you know, because I, I said, I need to go back to my work. He said, you should not take this lightly. I said, I'm not taking it lightly. And they told me the story of his friend, you know. I mean, he was a little older than I, and he had a friend who had the same condition. And he also died. Now, two people who had the same condition died. And they tell me that story. How, how would you feel? Anyway, I went to, uh, I finished my, 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 my stuff that day, the very first day the, after we had arrived. And they told me, you must report here tomorrow morning. You're going to operation tomorrow. You go to theater. We have to take this cross out. It's very dangerous. They said it's very dangerous, but I lived with it for one year. Okay. Anyway, that's how God is. So God took care of that. And then I went to going to theater, I came out of theater, I was very weak, you know, and then they told me, okay, uh, we have sent this for, for checkup, but uh, eventually they told me you have cancer, you know, it has been confirmed it's cancer. Okay, so they gave me three options. Okay, I was in hospital for a few days and then they gave me three options. Okay, go for radiation, go for chemo or go for both, and number three, come for a test, you know, they had a test program where they really took care of you and uh, would test out new ways of curing the thing. And uh, of course, it sounded very good. Uh, and they really, really tried to sell me that option. And I said, how long will it take? And they said, okay, you have to be there maybe for a year, maybe two years, depending. And I said, that option is canceled. I don't have that time. Okay, what about radiation? Okay, so send me to another doctor. He says he can prescribe to you. After they heard that I was not interested in the, in the, uh, in the study, they were no longer my friends. They said, you, you are, not, you are not responsible. You're not taking care of your family. You have children. You have a wife. How can you do, not, not agree to this? I says, well, <laughs> thank God we have agreed. Mom and I, we have agreed. And... Uh, Thank God, you know, for a nurse to agree not to go for treatment, 
That's a miracle. Okay, you can ask her. You can interview her later. So, to make the story short, when the six weeks were on, over, we traveled back to Zambia. Okay, I had asked God, should I go back? I want to go back to do my work. And God said, go back, worry about or, or care for my, 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 my work, and I will care for your health. And today I'm healthy. I was 42, okay? Now I'm 67, okay? Count the numbers. And God took care of me. I thank God. I have got the strength. Because even when there was cancer, I was not alone. He made the impossible possible. I never had even one setting of radiation. And I'm not saying, you know, if, if, if there's cancer found, you must, not, must do this. This was God's way of guiding me. Okay, it's not, it's not a recipe for everybody. You must ask God what he wants you to do. I never had even one treatment of chemo. Okay, thank God. But God took care of my health just like he has promised. We have a faithful God, and he takes care for our lives. I could tell you many other stories. I don't want to continue. But I've told you these stories to encourage you, okay? I've, 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 I've spoken about these stories to encourage myself. Because even now, with the challenges that I'm facing, you know, I know God will have a way. Remember that woman? that had an issue of blood, when she heard about Jesus, she said, I need to touch Jesus. Okay, she had faith. All these stories I've given you this morning, they are stories of God's intervention. They are story of, stories of God's stepping in. And sometimes in the twinkling of an eye, things changed. Sometimes it took a, longer, a little longer. You know, Daniel was in the lines then for one night. Okay, it was still very fast huh? that he came out again and no lion ever touched him. So let us thank God. And I want to encourage you, dear brothers and sisters, dear friends, whoever is listening today, you know, if you entrust your life into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not alone. He is going to make the impossible possible. He's going to guide you through situations that you have no clue how to come out of it. But God has the answer. Isn't that powerful? And so I want you to entrust your life into the hands of the Lord. And let us pray together. Lord our God, I want to thank you so much for your hand that you keep upon our lives every single day. Lord, I know that each and every one of us has stories to tell. Each and every one of us has testimonies of how you have carried us through, of how you have protected us, of how good you have been to us in our life. Lord, we give you praise and honor. And Lord, today, I want you to 
show your presence in our midst in a very special way. I want to ask if there's anybody here who has such an impossible situation in their lives, like the ones we heard about this morning. Why don't you just raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Thank you for that. Thank you. So, yes, it looks like we are all having problems. Huh? There's no one of us who, who doesn't have these challenges, difficulties. Lord Jesus, each hand that is up right now represents a challenge, represents a battle going on in the lives of this person or of families or even the wider community. Lord Jesus, I want to pray right now. I want to pray. Lord, you have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. And since that time, we have followed your call and we are children of the Most High God because you gave us the right to be called children of the Most High God. From that time, Lord, you have been with us. We may not have always noticed, but your Holy Spirit has been on our side. You have sent angels to protect us, to help us through situations that we could not have come through any other way. And Lord Jesus, right now, I pray. I pray for all of my dear friends who are facing such a situation of whatever nature it may be. Lord, I pray that you step in that situation. Lord, let your mighty hand become visible in turning the situation around as only you can do. Lord Jesus, we trust you. We believe in you. Lord, we have faith in you. And Lord, we believe that you can meet us at the point of our need. Lord, that you can pour out the abundance of your grace so that your energy is set free in our life, whether it is disease, whether it is any kind of challenge that we are facing with enemies of any kind. Lord, we put everything into your hands. And we pray, Lord, have your way in each and every one of our lives. Lord Jesus, let your grace abound in every one of us who faces those challenges, who faces those needs, who faces those battles. Let your grace abound. Lord, we know you love us, you care for us, you have a good plan for our lives. And we give you glory, we give you honor that you will hear, that you act, that you answer our prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. <laughs>